Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of the third season of Plebs on Footy podcast. I am your host, Rory Okay, And as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. How do you break on the season? <laughs> yeah, you know we've had three. It's the proudest thing. Making me do three is like the proudest thing of your life. Very, Surely you That is that. very <laughs> the proudest thing of my life. Uh, you don't think you're else very, better than that? You have very little opinion of me. Uh, no, I just yeah, know I how good the pot is. <laughs> I did butcher that yeah, with our 43 listens last week. Um, no, yeah, I'll put you that, I'll line up to that, but yeah, you're as miserable as I am, how's your take? Oh, uh, we're not too miserable, I mean, look, I, obviously I'm not happy, but yeah. I'm not, I don't think it's the end of the world. Look, I was in a you very... You wouldn't be that miserable. No, I was in a very bad mood on Saturday because of the way we lost, and it was just a very frustrating game, and... But this entire season's gravy. Like, we're getting Taron Thomas at the end of this year, probably Andrew Gaff as well, and then Josh Kelly the year after that, and then we'll win the flag in 2020. You've already won about four more games than you're expected to win, haven't you? How many have you won? Seven. Seven, which is, yeah, about, yeah, about three, three more games more. than I thought we were going to win for the year. It doesn't, doesn't matter We've won anymore. one more game than we won for the entirety of last year already. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to my mindset, but I'm not... Oh, it's not the end of the world. Last half full, then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, let's, and again, uh, like, you know, I'm pretty happy with how we've been going. We're going to have a down week occasionally, so... I don't know why you'd be pretty happy. We'll keep the energy up. Failure to perform on the big stage, but let's get to the glass half-empty games. Gold jacket, green jacket. Hmm. Do your spiel oh, before I roll my no, eyes so you, far into the back of my head that they fall out. Just before I start, are you going to apologise to our listeners for not doing a top five this week? You, you cancelled the top five. I've not cancelled the top five. You have cancelled the top five. I have slightly five. adjusted the uh, purview of the top five. I've manipulated it slightly. In fact... <laughs> we had buys. We needed a bit more content, so I decided to go top six. We've increased the limit. We've gone top six. Mate, we're making it bigger. We're making it better, and we're doing big things. Alice is going to be gutted when they hear what the top five. Is you going to be doing it for the next few weeks? You're a disgrace, mate. Okay, My really, segment really, stays strong. <laughs> <laughs> Your segment is the one concert of this pod. I will give you that. But anyway, for those people who are wondering what my segment is, segment is, it's Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title of the segment derives from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. And we give 3-2-1 votes for the most meaningless games of the round. We just come from saying that the only thing we do every week is your segment, and then you feel the need to explain it again. We have new listeners every week. There's an influx. There is an irony to that. Although we've been consistently going down the last month. But one That's vote... our little secret, Scott. We don't tell that to people. <laughs> one vote. Uh, GWS defeated Gold Coast by 108 points. Now, I'm happy to put this in here, because you were to be go at me for not having Melbourne in Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. I think only giving this one vote shows that there was quite a bit of relevance in it. I, th- I think it was quite an interesting result. I mean, Jeremy Cameron's one of the better individual games you'll ever witness. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, how does this relate to Melbourne? This is GWS defeating Gold Coast? No, because you had a go at me because I said the Melbourne so game. So your argument is that because you're wrong twice, I should forgive you? What, what are you talking yeah, that, about? Yeah, that's exactly what my <laughs> argument is. No, it shows my I'm consistent and it's objective is what I'm saying. I, mean, I, couldn't, put any of, I couldn't put it out of Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The rest of the games are all clearly more interesting. But I think to show that it's oh, no, I think that was a games. pretty um, pretty big beat down at the MCG yesterday that was pretty irrelevant for one side. It so was I don't know. Probably the biggest game of the season, but you know, biggest game of the oh, season. it was pretty significant, mate. Sure, mate. Ah, oh, but GWS starting well, to get it was rolling. No good Friday. GWS starting to get rolling a little bit now. A good couple of weeks, and yeah, they have had a good couple of weeks. It's been pretty big. They've slowly gotten a bit. A few players back. Some would say the most important player in Josh Kelly. 
throwing back to an argument we had a few weeks ago. Um, they, yeah, and they did it without uh, Cornelio, who got concussed. So. And without your other boy, Toby Green. So they're, they're starting to get going a little bit. Goal, I mean, to do it against Gold Coast perhaps doesn't mean all that much. No, Gold Coast uh, are travelling the worst out of any side, which says a lot. They just they look so flat. Like they just look like that. They've had a tough season, and they just look like it's just it's just killed them. Yeah, I Tony Cochran gave what's probably going to be the best interview on radio for the entire year. He's an odd man. He's a very odd man, but he's also the only person in the world that cares about the Gold Coast. So you know, got to give him something. Um, yeah, and he just be pointed out that they've had eleven games on the road with forty nine thousand kilometers travelled. They haven't been able to train at the same ground every week so they've had to move that around they just haven't had any consistency at all and that's not a high performance environment and it's not surprising that this is probably the worst this club's ever been and which says a lot given where they started they did they kept their energy up enough for a period there was a while there where I was actually a bit like I respected them a bit like it got to yeah. the point where they, they had had such a rough trot and they were still plugging along they were fairly consistent and the last yeah few weeks it just seems the life has just come out of them and I, I, I can see them starting to get in a bit of a role in the second half of the year and coming home all right. Well, they've got the perfect game to give that a shot against St Kilda, but... They're... It's a weirdly interesting game, that one. That might oh, not be Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. At a certain point, finding out who's the worst, that's interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. But they are having real, really weird selection at the moment, which I think is probably holding them back as well. I don't understand. Oh, you are not happy at all, are you? No, I'm, I'm fine with it. I won... So, fine with it. It's the buys. We don't have games in our fantasy yeah, okay. They timed it well. They timed it very well. I'm Jared Lyons, and he's out. He's been dropped. He had 37 Why on the league. Why has he been dropped? He's young, and he's been one of their best players. Yeah, it makes no sense. He probably wasn't tackled was he, dr- he came out initially he was injured, wasn't he? No, no. He just got dropped. just got flat out dropped. It makes no sense. It's that with the Barlow omission, when they could just use more grunt and beef through the midfield. And some of the midfielders they're playing... Aren't high picks that you're trying to give, get games into? They're just tryers. They're kids, but they're just tryers, and you don't really understand. I don't really understand why they're doing what they're doing. They dropped Aaron Hall, which, like, yeah, probably you, you get why they would be doing that. Yeah, but to drop three of them, you do have to at some point maintain a level of seniority in your lineup. They're, they're copping the Melbourne model, which set your club back. So I don't understand what they're doing. I, I can understand. I can understand Hall. I can understand Barlow just because he's you know he's older and he mm. although he's a, he's a good player and he finds a lot of the ball. He's not. I, I don't think of him as being like an outstanding leader or being particularly damaging with what he does. I, I can understand thinking maybe he's just not part of our future. But Lions, he's he's not only young and has a future. He's also. He's also a real trier himself. Like, it's not as if they're dropping him because of his lack of effort. Yeah, he's 25, so he's going to be there, hopefully, when they get yeah. their act together in a few years. He and he's averaging 24 touches a game. Like, yeah. they don't have enough talent on their list. Yeah, that, that's, it is, that's a really odd one. Yeah, to not play him. I'm... Yeah, shocked by his admission and very frustrated for reasons that are beyond football. <laughs> yep. But anyway, probably move on. Uh, two votes we're giving Sydney defeated St Kilda by 71 points. Now, this looked like early on it could potentially not be Gold Jacket, Green Jacket because it could be one of the biggest losses. 49 to 1 in the first quarter. Pretty yeah. outstanding. Unfortunately, from that point on, it was just a bit meh. It was pretty much what you expect. 71 points, a big win, but not, not, catas- well, not enormous. 
It's pretty bad, but yeah, not not a hundred <laughs> points, which apparently is some mythical barrier for you. It's a special thing, Andrew. If it was ninety-eight, maybe you'd be considering it as well. It's seventy-one. It's a big win. Okay, it's not more than that. Okay, Scotty, uh, was I wrong on Sydney when I ruled them out of the top eight? No, I, I, I don't think so. I, <laughs> yeah, top eight. <laughs> Sydney, I don't know. They've. They're almost there. Like, they're a consistent side. We know what we're going to get from them. But beating St Kilda by 71 points probably doesn't even mean that much, to be honest no. with you. And, yeah, really, really powerful, sharp start. But, yeah, I, I'm just... I'm not sold on Sydney, to be honest. From a, from a premiership standpoint, I'm not sold Yeah, I think they're, they'll be there about in much the same way Geelong has for the last few years. I've lumped them together before. But to be honest, I'm... Not impressed by many sides that North beats this year. Like, we're not good enough to let a good side lose. You're, you're so weird. You do all this stuff and you rattle on about how good you are, and then you say crap like this. But, like, you'd get what I'm coming from. If you lose to North, they lost to Hawthorne as well, didn't they? They only just lost to North, I think. Yeah, but they lost to Hawthorne as well. That's not a set of high quality teams you're losing to there. They've lost games at home. There's just a few chinks in their armour that... They've won, what, six in a row, I think, now? I think they're on a fair streak. I'll have a look at that. Uh, keep talking about something else and I'll get back to you. <laughs> um, like, we guess, yeah, they're, they're just... Look, they're a consistent outfit is pretty much what it comes down to. We know exactly what we're going to get from Sydney every time and they bring it every week and that's enough to a certain level. But once a team starts playing differently is when you start questioning them. Once, once a team starts doing something a bit different brings a different uh, game style and you, you don't know how well they're going to respond because they just they just rely on winning the contested ball every time. Yeah, their last loss was in round seven. Yeah, they're on they're on a fair streak. I mean, I, I think they've had some easy teams in that time. but Yeah, but that happens to everybody and you still got to pat them on the back for it. Including the Ds. But look, I, I, you feel like it'll get to finals and I reckon there'll just be a game where they just get shown up against a, a strong opposition. But Yeah, I think their midfield, shockingly, has... Is not quite at the top end at the moment, and it might it might come back into form when if Hanbury gets back to his best and Josh Kennedy needs to step up to being that super elite player. He's playing well, but he's not one of the best ten players in the league with the way he's going about it. So if they get those guys performing back to their best, there is the potential there for them to go up a gear and really show that they're a Premiership contender. But with the way those guys are just going along, I don't think. I don't think it, I can't see it happening really. And St Kilda have to win this week. Playing <laughs> Gold Coast this week. I mean, it, if they lose yeah. that, does Alan uh, Richardson get sacked? Pretty much. Not immediately. Like, is that a Dean Bailey one hundred eight uh, Dean Bailey Geelong game? Or? No, I don't, he won't get sacked next week. But it'll get to the point where I, I suspect the club will be thinking he's gone at the end of the year, and he'd have to turn it around pretty dramatically from that point. He signed a contract extension at the end of last year. Yeah, staggering how often teams do they, that. They actually too mean early. nothing. Those extensions, <laughs> though. I, he, he's definitely in trouble. And if they lose this week, whew. yeah, no, it'd be massive. It'd be massive. But uh, let's move on. Three votes. Three votes. Uh, we're giving Essen defeated Brisbane by twenty-two points. So those teams, we say gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, what do you say about this game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I just... We, I actually initially thought when I looked at it, I thought, oh, surely Sydney defeated St Kilda. Surely that's going to be gold jacket, green jacket. A bigger margin, all of that. But 
Sydney irrelevant. There's a bit of interest in St Kilda because they're hopeless. This was just a, uh, Brisbane. I don't feel like people people don't want to jump on Brisbane because they played some quite good footy at times this year. So there's not much heat on them. And yeah, Eston won by 22 points. So you're not going to get too excited about them either. Yeah, if if Essendon hadn't have gotten flogged by Richmond the week before, probably you'd be making an argument that they were rounding into some good form. But with last week fresh in everybody's mind, it's just like. Well, they can do this against the worst teams in the comp, mm. and they didn't do it convincingly. Brisbane will run. Well, they did lose to count. <laughs> they did, don't exactly, that. that's true. They can do this against yeah. the worst you teams. Just, you worst. don't know what you're going to get from them. That's the thing. No, but they, they weren't convincing here. They Brisbane don't apply a whole heap of pressure. They allow ball movement to be very fluid. Um, yeah, every game I've watched has been exciting, but it's mostly because... Brisbane don't stop anyone from moving they're, they're, all the way they want. Brisbane, and are, this happened with Essendon. Every every key chain you see of Essendon scoring, it was long handballs, chains from deep that happened over and over again. And we've been talking about this. That's exactly what you want to stop. When yeah, that's what they try and do, and it's quite easy to stop if you bring enough frontal pressure. But Brisbane didn't, and mm. maybe that's something that'll develop in their game as some of their kids get older. But I think Brisbane are doing the opposite to what, say, Carlton did. Like, I think Brisbane are yeah. actually trying to create an exciting brand, and probably the reason yeah, for that they're being that, that they're in they're in Queensland. Yeah, and no true. one watches footy there. Like, they need to get some excitement around them, and they feel like they need to play an exciting brand. And I, I actually think that is what they've yeah, been doing. They're doing, and I'm, this is quite familiar to me. This is how Brad Scott tried to build, and it's a more enjoyable experience than being a Carlton fan who sees them kick ten goals on a good day. That gets to you at some point, but at least Brisbane have the ability to score 100 points and really mm. produce some highlight footy that you'll want to go see. And when it comes off like it did against Hawthorne, that is that is as enjoyable experience as you can have as a fan. Like that kind, well, outside of a premiership, but that kind of win where you don't particularly expect it, you perform really well all the way through and really stamp your authority on a game above expectation. Mm. That's just such an enjoyable feeling. And I'd rather watch my side grow in that way and take the occasional poor performance when it doesn't quite click for you than just be hammered over the head again and again like Carlton fans are. And and the thing with Brisbane is they need to draw neutral fans mm. as well. It's not so when when, when you have a, a diehard fan base you can be like, oh let's get a bit defensive and just win and they'll be yeah. happy with just winning. Brisbane don't have as many die-hard supporters. They yeah. need to bring in some of those who don't really care about Yeah, footy. a lot of AFL fans in Brisbane are also expats, so they've got to try and get those guys to the game. Mm-hmm. And you're not really going to get there while they're this bad, but if you're playing this kind of footy and then mid-table, which could happen in a year or two, that's very reachable for them as they start to develop. Then you'll start to get more people, more locals, well, yeah, more expats to the city just going for a good game of football to watch, which I think they'll be capable of producing with the brand of football they're trying to play. Now their coach just, just has a hammy that he needs to get this over is, as well. This is the funniest story in the <laughs> AFL. I cannot believe... I can't believe he actually did a hammy. Uh, yeah. like, no, not only did a hammy, tore it off the bone, yeah. which put Matthew Lloyd out for a season. This is an awful injury. Like, <laughs> it's really serious. They did a falling out of a pool. When, like, all the commentators were joking around about it, I just thought, like, oh, they're, they're just saying, you know, yeah, it looks like he did a hammy. But no, he actually did do it, and he did it badly. He needs to go in for surgery. Like, he might miss a game. <laughs> like... It's he wouldn't insane. miss a game, would he? Well, what if he's got the drugs all in his system and he can't <laughs> properly think or whatever? 
It's insane. <laughs> that is, it is funny. Now, this is why it should have been. I know it doesn't quite qualify, but this is how it should have gone two votes. If it had been part of the game, this would have almost made it the most. Well, you reckon that gives it some media interest points, do you? <laughs> it gives it me interest points. I don't have a humour criteria. Maybe I should add that for this, this one occasion. This is the best story in football this year, and I don't care about Paul. <laughs> right. I don't. The care best about... story was May Jack Dore is the best player in the competition. That was the best story this year. I'm not, I mean a real like a best story. <laughs> <laughs> that thing will never be topped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is so good. This is good for footy. This is what keeps footy watchable. If Chad, if this happened more often, we wouldn't have... Coaches doing hamstrings. What's wrong with you? <laughs> what so is good. wrong with you? Let's get to the interesting game. I'm happy to get onto the interesting <laughs> yeah. game. To be honest, there's been a lot of rubbish recently. and I reckon it's a bit of a gold jacket, green jacket season, I just want to say quickly. like There, there are a lot more shit teams. You know what's going to happen? Out of nowhere, you'll... Pull the flag out of your ass, and this will suddenly be the greatest season of all time, and you won't be saying a word of this. So I just want this on record. Have we no? Have we ever had five five basket cases? We have at the moment with Brisbane, Gold Coast, like, probably Carlton, St Kilda, and probably the Bulldogs. Normally, there's two, three tops. Oh, like I mean, it makes a lot of one-sided games. So let's look at last year's. No, I won't do that because that would take too much time. But <laughs> let's surely there has been uh, this. I never think the current season is as out of the box as people say it is. This will have happened before. It will have happened multiple times. I swear we've also got more really clubs time. than we've ever had. So it's always, there's going to be nah, more bad No, nah, it's, it's rubbish at the moment. Stop. stop but anyway, let's talk about the group because Friday night was a good one for once. Yeah, Port, especially the first half. Port defeated Richmond by 14 points. A few stories here for Richmond. Can't win away and can't win without Dustin Martin. I think this this game actually suits our our analysis of Richmond quite well, I think. Yeah. And this was the most I've seen Richmond kicking off the back foot. They they the pressure was on so and so often mm. they were just on the back foot, just kicking off a step. And when you do that you poke it up in the air. And the Port Adelaide defenders, although you wouldn't say their back line is full of stars or anything like that. Tom Jonas was nominated to the All Australian Squad of 40 last year. Just he, want to put that out there. He's not a bad player, Tom Jonas. But um, old, old mate Dougal Howard had the game of his life. And yeah. they just they just racked him up across half-back. Just intercept marks. That allowed him to rebound and run into space like Port like to do. And that's exactly what we've been saying that you got to do against the Tigers. And the pressure, the pressure's what did it. Yeah, I... There's a couple of mitigating factors, obviously. Dustin Martin was out, which... I don't think they would have won that game with Dusty. Yeah, but the... It was more the team that was being beaten down and playing away, which they don't like playing. I don't know. I've been thinking about the way Richmond play, and so often their footy is about getting the ball forward and just trusting the team. It's about tapping the ball on, just making that forward momentum what it's about. They don't dispose Mm. of the ball at particularly high rates. They're very low down in disposals per game. But the amount of knock-ons they do is kind of what they do instead. Instead of a quick handball sideways or quick handball backwards, mm-hmm. they just keep the ball moving forward. And back and pressure forward of the yeah, ball. Yeah, but what needs to happen for that, they need to have players that can win one-on-one contests and win, like, break that. Like, while it's all good and well to move the ball forward, they need someone who can take that moment and make it clean it, and separate them from the pack. It, it and without lot- Dustin Martin in the middle, I don't think they have the firepower to really make that strategy anywhere near as effective as it is at their best. 
So you'd, you'd say it, the way they play relies on winning contest. They, yeah. they don't get easy, uncontested ball and transition it easily. They, they get the ball forward and they back them into win the contest. And even their uncontested ball, it seems like sheer power running to separate from the opposition. It doesn't seem like they're breaking through with skill. They're working into space by being more physical than their opponents rather than hitting a tough kick as, say, a GWS tries to. To be honest, I thought that was a concern with Richmond for most of last year. I thought like they just rely so heavily on winning contested footy. Mm. But, I mean, Johnson got to the point they just did it every every week. And I think, yeah, as I, I think the main thing that I saw out of this game, which I haven't seen from Richmond this year, was just seeing them using the ball off the back foot, poking the ball up in the air and allowing the ball to be intercepted and weren't bringing the ball to ground. Um, and I, I reckon that's, that's, that's the trick to beating the, beating the Tigers. Yeah, when you can have them on the back foot, that's when their lack of key forwards really shows up because they don't yeah. have the bailout option that we've really mostly criticised Hawthorne for. But Richmond have been so good over the last six to 12 months that it hasn't really shown up because when everything is going your way, which they just... I've managed to make it happen. It's very easy to hit that uncontested mark in forward 50. Then just hit that forward to his advantage instead of having the forward have to work to mitigate a pressured kick. And without that, they really struggled to move the ball offensively. Port kind of put the cue in the rack offensively in the second half. They didn't try nearly as hard to really break the game open. And I'm not entirely sure why. And I've seen that happen multiple occasions. Their choice to slow the ball up on occasion, I'm not sure if it's designed or just a factor of when the pressure's on, they go into the shells a bit. What do you think about that? They are becoming more of a a defensive team Mm. than they have been previously. I mean, a few years ago when they were at their best, they were one of the most exciting best teams to watch. I I think this year they have become a lot more defensive-minded. They're they're setting up better than they used to defensively. They're very accountable around the ball. We talked about that last week. In some ways, they've lost a bit of creativity because they just have accountable, hard-nosed midfielders in there. And that... They're playing more. They're trying to play more of a, a reliable sort of brand of footy. And um, yeah, you rarely watch them now and get that. Wow, they're running into space. Mm. They're using the ball so well that they that they did a few years ago. I, I think they have sort of changed their mindset a little bit. Yeah, when Port makes me go, wow, now it's oh crap, Robbie Jack Gray did something incredible. It's mm. less Wingard did something incredible, but he's still there. There's just it's more individual player brilliance. Even Mollop occasionally, Sam Gray, they're occasionally do something that makes me sit up and pay attention. But it's not really the team ball movement that it was for two or three years. It, yeah, it, it's not the ball movement. But there were a couple of times on the weekend where I was a little bit wow, but it was more like contested ball wow. They were just kind of pushing them over and winning the winning the clearances. Yeah, there were a couple of patches where they... Yeah, after quarter time. they got so on top of the clearances at times, um, and that was when you started thinking, "Wow!" But it's different to when it used to be when it was it was their running power. And the other, we talked a bit about last week. Do you need to get Robbie Gray in the middle to get them a little bit more creative? They didn't do that. He was forward for most of the night, but they had Wingard around the middle, and he he definitely made a difference. He's a very creative footballer. Yeah, I I think they needed to change it up with him. He's been underwhelming for almost two or three years now since he mm. had those electric first few years in the competition. But he, as a midfielder, his silk is just so much more relevant to what they do. It's not restricted to moments. It's a more consistent building block. And he's not awful around the contest. 
He's not a minus as that kind of player. So if you get him around the ball, you can really set up their ball movement in a way they don't they have the capacity to do without him or Robbie Gray in the midfield. And comparing Wingard to Robbie Gray in the midfield is a massive compliment to Wingard. But if they can consistently put him in that role and develop him into that sort of player, they're a significantly better team. And they don't need him in the middle, in like on ball. Like you know, have him on a wing, have him running off half back, which he you know he did so well in yeah. that in that preliminary. That final is one a of the best performances ago. I've ever seen. Yeah, just have him doing that. Get him off the chain. Get him involved in the contest a little bit more. It gives him a bit more creativity off up the ground. It helps him as an individual as well. But. As long as they have one of those players spending time in the midfield, that's what's important, and that yeah, works. they can't get too stayed with their mix, which they occasionally have with Rockliffe in the team. Although Rockliffe was ball use was incredible. Yeah, he was more was, creative than I ever seen him yeah. ever. He and was look, selling dummies. Part of that's probably I just kicks. never watched Brisbane enough, and I watch Brisbane more than most uh, people that don't go for Brisbane. So that says a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he was more creative than I've ever seen him. So, big tick for Port. Let's hope they're not so good in their... Oh, no, sorry, they're playing this week. In two weeks' time, let's hope they're not so good. When they play Melbourne. Exactly. You self-indulgent. <laughs> now, let's get on you. to the uh, game we need to talk least about, I think. Geelong defeated North by 37. Not many takeaways from either this game. What have got? Look, I was very happy to see North lose. I was almost, almost equally as happy to see Gaza put... Two big games in a row. This performance was a lot bigger than what he did against the Gold Coast. Because North Melbourne... Because you're against a, a high-quality opposition. Worst, Is that what you're going to say? At worst, I was just, they're thereabouts. They're a real football side, which <laughs> Gold Coast are question marks over. Very much like, so. Would their team win the needful? Who knows? Um, but this performance from Abbott was astounding. His averages against North are stupid. He had 34 touches, and that, was, that lowered his average since he left to the go to the Gold Coast against North, mm. which is insane. Like, he blows my mind. He never has a bad game against us, and Brad Scott made a poor choice in not tagging him instead of Selwood. Ablett's best is more damaging than Selwood's, and I think Ablett is a lot yeah. more taggable than Selwood, although Jacobs held uh, Selwood to six touches before he moved off him at halftime because we were getting smashed. But I just letting Ablett run free and do that kind of stuff, there's a reason he's the best player we've ever seen. Hey. Like, He's Wait, did Jacobs move on to Gaz in the second half? No, he just he tried to play a defensive stoppage role, and he wasn't specifically tagging one player. Oh, why not? Because we were getting fucked, and we started winning the clearances in the second half. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, okay, but uh, yeah, very good to see from the, from old mate Gaz. Are you concerned at all about your own your own side at all? No, this is the way we lost was the way we were going to lose if we lost to Geelong with the team we had on the park. As much as it shocks me to say this, Jed Anderson is so crucial to our midfield pressure. Without him, no no one really excels as a pressure midfielder. When Jacobs is tagging, he shuts one guy out of the team, but his pressure is very focused to that one guy because of the role he's playing. When Anderson's in the side, his pressure around the ball will get to multiple people at the contest he's like he leads the team God you're in love with Jen Anderson at the moment it's ridiculous yeah no he's like incredibly important to his football <sighs> and then we broke down across half forward a lot and Jared Wade is just important for that for North so there are two we lost in ways that were quite predictable when you look at our best 22 
So you're making excuses. No. The first time you've had any sort of players out of your team and you're already making excuses. We lost Ed Vickers Willis for the season. Calm down. We had one in. Willis. No, he's, he's going to be good. A good lockdown defender. Um, but yeah, no, that's just a fact that we lost in that way and it was predictable. I wouldn't be upset if I were you simply for the reason that you'd lost to a pretty good team away (laughs) away from home and and comfortable. I've said this, we don't have the depth to cover injuries to important players. No, no, no. You've changed your mind on your depth. Every second week you change it. You're saying we have no... (laughs) (laughs) Last week you were saying we have depth in every position. We're fine. No, that's going forward. That's going forward. You know it's going forward, is it? You're just making it up as you go along. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, we just... we, We were beaten pretty comprehensively in a way that... I don't think it's all that surprising. It gets a good side away from home. Well, you weren't the only one, minus the away from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have any thoughts on this at all? Not particularly. Nah. Yeah, not particularly. I think it's quite a solid performance from Geelong. They're putting together a decent season outside of the Essendon game. Yeah, they're they're thereabouts in a way they always seem to be. Yeah, I, I want to see a little bit more consistency from Geelong. They. They were pretty inconsistent early on in the year, and they've had a good few weeks now, so we're starting to think, oh, maybe they're good now, but before we know, they can just put an absolute stinker yeah. next week, and then it's the exact same question mark. So what they've done more really time well on them. turn their defence into an elite defence. They're their best-performed defence in the league now, which mm. they had a bit of catching up to do on that front, so it's just really they, impressive. They play, they play a team defence. They're, they're well-drilled. Yeah. They, they always have been really under Scott. Yeah, no, you can't... Every time, everything they've lacked has been offensive flair, and that's mostly been down to the players. But they've always been well structured behind the ball, so they're they're what they always seem to be, which is a high quality side. And I think there's scope for them to be a real contender if things fall their way. So you got to be thereabouts, and they're thereabouts. So they're probably in a similar bracket to Sydney at the moment. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. we said. Three games ago. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's get on to our first segment. Uh, the first, the second segment, I guess, given you call yours a segment, but really just <laughs> The only this. real segment. Um, we're going to the Cane Corns is the one we haven't changed since its inception. I heard some pretty ridiculous things about one Mason Cox. Two weeks ago, they were saying, it's great that he's there and he gets his hands on the ball. He doesn't need to mark it. He doesn't need to do anything. He just the needs to forward, be there. The tap forward, he just mate, needs to yeah. be the tap forward. And that's some pretty low expectations for your key forward who you're building your offense around. <laughs> and as soon as he plays one good game, and yeah, he clunked the ball very well, made Neville Jetta look like an idiot, kicked very straight, might have been the difference. Uh, apparently Gary Lyons, he's a little bit of Jim Steins in him. Premier, brown low medalist, not premiership, sorry, none of your players in living memory have been a premiership player. <laughs> um, yeah, brown low medalist Jim Steins. <laughs> Probably the greatest modern day footballer you've had, would that be said? No, Robbie Flower was better, but no, I'm, he's not modern. I'm going back. Yeah, yeah, all right. He's up there. He's, probably, he's in the top few Melbourne players probably in the last played fifty game years. Together, but that. I didn't know that. Well, so so Gary Lyon compared him to Jimmy Stein. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You have a glorious Jim Stein's memorabilia thing with a brown. He watches metal over us up. as we record the pod every week. Yeah, it is sacrilege. He's spitting on that man's grave by comparing to Mason Cox. Look, Mason can't even touch his own toes, Cox. It upsets me a little bit, but I'm sticking up for Gary. Mason, the wind would blow him over, Cox. Firstly, 
Mason Gary- should be playing volleyball cops. <laughs> Shut up. Firstly, what Gary said was not that extreme. He wasn't trying to say he's as good a player as Jim Steins. He was just trying to say that the way he's developed, there are shades of Jim Stein. Basically in the sense you know, that he's You'd hope you'd by the age of 27, wouldn't you? <laughs> Secondly to that, mate. It's just going to get worse. Did you watch this game? He was unstoppable. He was... Uh, you know expectations can change on players. Can we talk about... You were saying... Oh, they were saying he doesn't need to mark it. He could not... Whenever he was near the ball, he marked it. And he was kicking straight. He's at 211 centimetres. And he was slotting goals from the boundary line. That was absurd how well he played. He would not have been marking those balls if Lyndon Dunn was playing on him. That's all I'm going to say. Who are you criticising, Oscar or, or Nifty at the moment? All of them. Without Levy, your defence is nothing. Our defence fell to pieces and it meant that Neville ended up getting caught out with him a few times, which isn't ideal, but, yeah. but he Mason got his Cox positioning is right. literally twice his size. He, he gets his positioning right, you cannot stop him. In the same way that you can't stop Ben Brown when he's launching at the balls. He just holds his ground, jukes, and he was kicking straight. He was unbelievable. He was brilliant, Mason Cox. But anyway, can I do my uh, Kane Corns call? Yeah, whatever. It can't be worse than that. Well, I'm going to say Mason Cox is the best Cox that we have ever seen. Better than Dean. <laughs> That's ridiculous. He's not even better than uh, Brennan. He, he was nominated for the Rising no, Star. He's than Brennan, but he will be the best Cox we've ever seen. I mean, this bloke's been playing the game for about five minutes. As and that I was said, one of the better individual games we've seen this year. He is 27 he, years old. He'll retire in six months. He's 27, is he? He's 27. <laughs> no, he's, he's not. old. He's gone grey. Didn't he start playing two years ago? Why is he 27? Because he's American and they don't, they slow developers. But why would you bother drafting someone who's 25? Because he might win your Queen's birthday game against a rebel. Oh, shit, he's 27. Either way, <laughs> either way, uh, that was a bloody impressive performance. And he's, he's the best Cox I think we'll ever see. I agree, but let's not compare him to a Brownlow medalist and the greatest Ruckman of a generation. Let's not do that. No, no, he'll get there, mate. He'll get there. He'll get there. Mate, He's not even rushing. Did you watch this game, mate? He I was unstoppable. I don't know if I ever saw Dan Cox play that well. What <laughs> 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 no, no, incredible performance. See, get around, mate. Let, let's talk about some serious issues, and we're going to move on to mine. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent serious about this. You needed to win that game to make the eight. You're not going to make the eight from there, and you see he's got to fall apart. You've proven you can't play well with Lee. Why are we Lee talking up. about this? This is my Kane Corns call. Oh, and okay. the real question is, why hasn't Goodwin been sacked already? <laughs> because we won six games in a row. We're the best team to watch in the competition. We've best got we got a percentage of over 130. You know why Collingwood's a better team to watch? It's a belted you. <laughs> Yes, and, that was gr- this and that was great to watch. Why hasn't Goodwin been sat? He, he's he's Answer shown the question, signs. Scott. Don't just avoid and repeat it back to me. He has shown signs of being an outstanding modern coach. Where and was his plan B this week, Scott? Where was stop his with plan the plan B. B right? No coach has a plan B. Don't start with that rubbish. They go out there and they have a plan as how they, they have a style of play that they hope to play. And there's no, no more to a plan B than just maybe moving a player in a position. Plan B is rubbish. No coach in the competition has a plan B. Dean Bailey would have had a plan B. He lost by 186 <laughs> points, mate. Yeah, to a team that's better than Colin. Goodwin has shown that he is a very good modern-day coach, and he's got a young list, and they'll come good. They need to adjust to the big stage. Yeah, okay, whatever. Fremantle defeated Adelaide <laughs> by three points. Let's stop being self-indulgent and talking about Melbourne. 
What are your thoughts on this game, Scotty? Big well, win for Freo. I reckon Brennan Cox is quite possibly the best goalkeeper <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> no, he was outstanding, Brennan Cox. He actually was. Like he, Similar to Mason, actually. just held his ground, strong hands. He was only pick about 40-odd a few so years ago. So you're saying you love Big Coxes? Is that what you're saying? Well, there's two good ones going around at the moment, and they're both quite similar to each other. Um, but, yeah, of course I do. I love Freo. Mate, Adam Scherer. Absolutely, start. He is a good footballer. He, yes, he just he moves like a footballer. You just you really watch him. Really hope Davies Uniac comes on because <laughs> he is a jet. You were pretty bloody excited about Davies Uniac. Where was a uh, Cherry pick five? Was it? Yeah, the pick after. But yeah. he he looks great. Do you? But most players from the top six really. Who was pick seven? Neither no, I remember. But the, <laughs> the top six have all had moments of looking good. Mm. Davies Uniac's probably played the least amount of football. Yeah, I think. And every time I watch him do something, like, his highlights, every time they make me very happy as a North supporter, so I'm not remotely down on him at all. But Chera, 30 touches, 10 coaches votes, not good enough for the Racing Star nomination. <laughs> Chera looks, at the moment, he looks better than Brayshaw. Brayshaw, he's played every game, he's been consistently all right, he's played his role, but I see more signs of that yeah, potential start here. rumours here and there that they picked Brayshaw too because... Uh, he was more likely to stay there, and they wanted to invest the capital in Brayshaw as okay. the number two out of all the midfielders that sort of followed. But um, yeah, he's he's been good. You can't say he's been bad, but he's been a Brayshaw. I think they all, well, the two of them. We haven't seen Hamish play yet, but they both do everything pretty well. And mm. outside of the last couple of games that uh, Angus has played, they haven't really done anything that's been mind-blowing, but Angus' last few games before this week were incredible, don't get me wrong, but... He's still not silky, though. Like, he's not a great kick, Angus. To be fair, I was very impressed with his left foot on the weekend, even though he played pretty shit. <laughs> yeah, but... He's, 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 he's... And that goes to my point, he's pretty good at most things. Yeah. You're not entirely sure what he's great at, but... That can build into being a very good mm-hmm. footballer, no, and a footballer worth being a number two pick. And I think Andrew's I'm certainly the same not writing thing. off. That's for sure. I think Andrew is the exact same thing. He's good at everything. He's above average at everything. We'll see if he develops into elite at everything. And it might just be a case of both of them needing to become men amongst their peers. Mm. A lot of midfielders, when they first come into the competition, especially inside midfielders. They're so used to being able to get their way at every contest because they're bigger and stronger and go harder. But at AFL level, they're smaller when they come in. They might go just as hard, but they're not going to go harder than the established inside mids in the competition. There's The step up can be a lot harder for an inside mid because of they're not getting what they're used to getting. And I think that's a thing that Brayshaw's having to deal with, whereas Cherry is more well-rounded and able to really show what he's really good at mm-hmm. as well, straight away. But how, how big is this for Frio, though? Without Fife there, Sandy they thought was going to play, he didn't end up playing in the end, and then to have some kids step up and yeah. play that well um, in their absence <laughs> and to get a win. I love actually, the dog. Sonny Walters didn't play very well. Either. He was no, giving free kicks way left, right, and center side of the wax. Guy and got, uh, yeah. He was just angry. Just he was a really angry man, which he is a little bit. I know, he's angry but, that Harley Bunnell got injured again. Um... But no, they were fantastic. Brayshaw said before the game that, oh, we're more than just a team of Nathan Fife, and everyone laughed at him. And, yeah. Well, they responded pretty well. <laughs> yeah, they've got a fair bit of 
talented. I feel like they should be better than they are. And that, that, that does make me worry a little bit about Ross's ability to adjust the modern game. But yeah, I think, though, with their list, it's not an even... Like, the mm. the assets they have are very concentrated in certain areas. Of they the don't ground. have a lot of depth, do they? They've got, they've got a few absolute stars, few and kids. then they've got a lot of very promising kids, mm. and then there's not a lot of, you know, solid footballers. Yeah, but what I'm saying is they've got, obviously, the elite midfield players. They've got Sandy, who, when he plays, is elite, and Sean Darcy looks good when he plays as well. Yeah, he does. He's Healthy as a test this week, I think. So yep. they've finally got depth there again. He plays a bit but, sandy like that one. Yeah, well, he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Cox has been the first real yelp they've gotten. I guess Tabner was really good early in the year. Yeah. But Cox and Tabner have been their first real yelps they've got as a key forward since Pavlich went. McCarthy is a oversized half forward flanker, mm. which is becoming. We're starting to see which sort of players and identify that yeah. type of player more than just calling them key forwards. Like. Bunny's the best case scenario of that, and he's more well-rounded than just being an oversized flanker. But he sort of plays that roaming role more than being the straight, stay-at-home forward. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and that's the way McCarthy plays, and he's not that great at it either, as you are very fond of pointing out. Yeah, yeah, not they're, a big fan. Their <laughs> key defenders, Alex Pierce has been good, but they've, he has been really he's, good. they've just gotten him, and they've, Johnson's been injured so often... They don't really have any flankers that you really think add value to the team. They've tried like Sheridan for so long. They yeah. were playing, and he's a Sutcliffe. Yeah, there's a lot of players that probably shouldn't be there. That GWS would pick up to have a trial. Like yeah. there, there are a lot of those kind of players, and yeah. without a more even spread of elite talent, it's really shown them up. But if they can start, I don't think they're far developing. off. They're not far off it. I'm quite excited about the Dockers. Uh, you have. You're, I think you're jumping on the concern about Adelaide bandwagon. You can't not be concerned. They've lost four out of five. At the moment, it feels like this season's drifting a little bit. And that does worry me a bit. And if it drifts much longer, yes, I'm going to be worried about them. But they're one game out of the eight. And yeah. they're, they're decimated. They have been all year. And they've got, what, text back this week. But it'll take a while to get going again. And it'll take a little while for them to all glue back together. But I can see them coming home like a house on fire. So they lost to Freo. They lost to... Who'd they lose to last week? GWS were in shocking form before that. They Who'd they lose to the week before? They beat... No, that was the week before that. They lost to you by 91 points, which looks pretty ordinary after your performance mm-hmm. on the weekend. Um, Righto. <laughs> they beat the Dogs, and then they lost to... This is how long. Port the week before that. They haven't exactly lost to the toughest schedule in the world. It's been decent. Yeah, they, they, they're they, not... They've they're losing had, games they'd want to win if they were going to make the eight. They've had a, they've had a very poor month, mm. but that that's not the end of the world for them. And that, there's been a lot of reasons for it. And it, it, I can see them just hitting their straps again. And I'm definitely not giving up on Adelaide. Definitely, I'm not and, giving and they, up on them. But they will get players back. We look, their only player who's out for the season's Crouch. They're going to get the rest of them back. Laird will be back this week. I think Lynch is a test for this week. Sloan's only a couple of weeks off. I don't think they're. I don't think they'd be a favourite to make the eight. I'd put them as more unlikely to make the eight than you I, I expect them to make the eight. You expect them to... Yeah. Who do you expect to drop out? North Melbourne. Yeah, but you're wrong. We have six games against... I, they're, I think they're a better six. team. They're a better, more reliable team than Port Adelaide. Yeah, but they're a game and a game played behind Port Adelaide. They, they've got a bit of ground to make up. But it's really worrying. It's a, The top eight with ten teams missing is... 
tough to get into. It's a higher bar. We're, than we're so we're so caught on writing people off early, and I just think just give him it a bit of time. And we'll Says be, the man we'll, who we'll wrote, wrote, wrote Sydney off after six matches. Last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> but I, but I learned it, exactly. I learned from it. I'm not doing it again. Okay, let's get on to the fun game. The uh, game that brought me joy. Collingwood defeated Melbourne by not 41, but 42 points. I was going to do a bit, but I mucked up the first number. Let's what? move on. What the hell are you talking about? You got flogged. You are awful. Yeah, we did get flogged. Now, that's a team that won't make the eight. I'm... I'm... I can get around this loss. I'm not that upset about it. The reason being, I've been saying to you for weeks that I'm really worried that we've basically been playing witches hats for six weeks. And one and one week, a team is going to bring the heat. And I was worried that yeah. the Bulldogs would do it. They didn't. And then Collingwood did the next week. And they didn't just bring the heat. Like, they were... That was one of the better team performances I've seen all year. They, they were absolutely brilliant. And... I think we would have mentally braced ourselves for someone bring, bringing that. But it, it's a lot easier to think you're ready for it and to actually yeah. know what that heat is like. And we've been playing this champagne footy for six weeks. It's come off. So, mm. of course, we're going to stick with that. And when the heat came on, we were trying to do little flick handballs over the head and they, they didn't come off. And then they they were outworked us. They were yeah. seriously, on the spread, that's where we got beaten. They spread so much harder than us. We gave them the corridor. We defensively fell away. We, we were poor in most assets of the game, aspects of the game. But... We will be so much better off for having played Collingwood in front of 85,000 at the G. And our next game's a big one. We've got a Friday night in Adelaide against Port Adelaide, and we will be so much better off having gone through this game. We'll, we'll understand what the heat is like, how hard you've got to work against the best teams, and we will be much better off. And by the time finals come around, we will have played a few big games and we'll start to understand it a bit more. But I think it was inevitable something like this was going to happen. Yeah, look, that's probably fair analysis. The competition is still quite even, and in a competition that is even, staying up for a long period of time is incredibly tough, and you're not Geelong in 2007, you're not those raging Hawthorne, so you're not that real top end, and you played like it for six weeks, but the bottom was going to come crashing Mm. out. Even Geelong 2008 lost by 80 points to Collingwood one game. These, These performances happened... I think it says more about Collingwood's ability to play top-end football than it does about your inability to be a contender. I mean, you've beaten a top-eight side in North Melbourne who's really good and really... That's a hard-fought win. But that, this was Collingwood's first win against a really good side, I think, and they needed to tick it off. And they, they didn't just get the win. That They were frighteningly good. Like, their pressure was incredible. What? How hard their midfield worked into space was unbelievable. You have Mason Cox clunking mm. and kicking it from the boundary line, which, you know, he shouldn't be doing. He's not, he's not that sort of player. It no. was... It was special football. And there were times which, every time we had a crack, we had a crack a few times to get it back. We'd kick one or two goals and we'd think, mm. oh, maybe there's a chance. And every time they would just respond with something special. They yeah. were really, really good. Most of this performance is repeatable as well. Like, there's, there's not much of this that makes me go, well, no, they got a freak performance. Degoe was unbelievable, but he's legitimately talented. Mm-hmm. Like, his role has never been to be a centre square midfielder. The first time he's really shown it and been put into that role since he's been and, and this confident player he has been, he's been dynamic and really tore you open. Trelaw and Pendlebury off the back of the square worked wonders against you. And Brody Grundy beating Max Gorn in the ruck, not uh, uh, around the ground, in the ruck, is the biggest 
takeaway. I think that's the least sustainable thing out of all of it. I mean, you save it to go, that, that's fine. But that's against you. I'm talking about uh, okay, as in okay. terms of against the league, yeah, Grundy okay, dominating okay. the ruck and showing he can be the best ruckman, the best tap ruckman in the league by taking down Goliath. That That's an unbelievable strength yeah. of his bow. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I've, and he beat him badly. He beat him badly. For so long, I've categorized the Grundy-Max toss-up as a the modern-day Dean Cox versus Sanderlands. Whenever Sanderlands played Dean yeah, Cox, yeah. he smashed Dean Cox. Mm. But for Fair Grundy analogy. to be able to actually take it up to Gorn in the ruck, and Gorn actually was better around the ground than Grundy. Four more times than he kicked the goal. Yeah, he made a lot of mistakes, though. He had a really bad day, But Max. still impacted around the ground in more volume, at least, than Grundy. But for him to be able to really just control that game in the air yeah. is incredible. Something does have to be said. I I don't know if Collingwood can play any better than that. I think that is their best. We, we, we saw their best, but and it, it was unbelievably good. I, and I don't think their bottom is that bad either. Like, no. I, I think that I, I really rate Collingwood, but that was their best. But the and, question I have is, is that best not good enough? Who, who can that game not beat? I, I agree with you. I think they would have beaten any team. Yeah. I mean, if Richmond Maybe played their Richmond, best, it yeah. would have been a cracking, cracking game of footy that would have come down. West Coast... Who knows? But yeah, you're right. Their their best is that that is extremely good, and, and and that's why we've had a third new team being able to win the flag in three weeks. Melbourne were a long way below their best. So we had about two players. Tom McDonald would be happy with this performance. Clayton Oliver, I think, was pretty good. I, I don't think there's another player who'd be happy. So I mean, in that sense, I can understand our loss. Yeah, well, I think the loss is understandable. It's not the end of the world for you, but at a certain point, we've just got to say. Congratulations to Collingwood. They were no, incredible. They, they were incredible, absolutely. They had their forward setup worked fantastically in isolating certain defenders. Like I found it interesting that every time Neville Jetta tried to play higher up the ground it impact earlier contests, whoever he went to would just go back to the goal square. It was a clear tactic to get him from influencing contests early. It was making Jordan Lewis be the only one you had mm. in real support. He looked a bit lost at times, Lewis, which was odd. Yeah, you were Made a lot confident of in how he'd do in yeah. that role. But and then part of that's just a change-up and a bit of teaming yeah, issue a bit of adjust, away, maybe. adjusting, absolutely. But yeah, it's just... Oh, uh, what, more, what more can you say? Collingwood were awesome. They were awesome. And, yeah, they are a contender. Uh, anyway, let's move on to our top five slash six. Yeah, well, I thought we were doing one, Banjo. We are doing one. We're doing a very important one. We are slightly what are we adjusting doing, things. Then? Am I going to have to make it up on the spot? Yeah, I think so. I think so. We've done no preparation of this pod as usual, so we'll just see what we come up with. We're doing our top six defenders in what's really just our all-Australian backline at the midway point of the season. So you basically dished the top five segment and you brought in pick your all-Australian team for the buy rounds. Yeah, look. And you decide because you were too lazy to think of a top five. You just oh, I didn't want to do sloppiest rigs because Clayton Oliver got skinny. No, um, sloppiest rigs of all time, mate. It would have been funny. Yeah, but we were just doing some that. boring all Australian team. That's fine. That's okay, fine. who's your back pocket? Oh, well, you know who my back pocket is. Mr. Jetta, of course, he's in back pocket, eh? Of course, <laughs> Neville Jetta's in there. He's the most reliable, consistent, small defender in the game and has been for years, and he should. He should be an absolute lock for all Australians. Oh, no one else plays the role even close to as well as he plays it. A small defender. An actual defender. Not someone who gets cheap switch Nick kicks. Nick Smith. No, Jed is much better these days okay, than Nick Smith. Mate. Much better. 
There's plenty ramping. All right, who have you got, your flog? Scott Thompson. <laughs> oh, come on. We're no, not just the um, Melbourne North Bay, I just, I just <laughs> We were the number one key defence. We were the number one defence for 10 weeks, so why shouldn't we be all the... All Australian. Wait, players. I don't get it. Why is he in? You've got another defender who's the best player in the competition. Why isn't Majak in? Yeah, look, it was an oversight. You brought it up earlier in our production meeting, and I <laughs> <laughs> it just slipped my mind. Um, it was so ingrained in me that that was a Kane Corns take that I didn't give it the uh, validity that that <laughs> kind of wisdom deserved. But no, I've got Scott Thompson. He's been elite in pretty much every facet you want a key defender to be and a few more he's delivering inside 50 which is not what you ask for him but it's been incredible he pulls off kicks that not many North Melbourne players can pull off talking about his kicking yeah no he's a really good kick if you watch any North Melbourne games you know that and his intercept defending he's rarely beaten he's just he's an excellent defender and he's incredibly flexible and I've gone for flexibility in my defence because that's an attribute I value not just small people who you think are good Who's your fullback? <laughs> back reliability when it comes to the back line, mate. How is this guy Thompson not reliable? My fullback is Alex Rance. I mean, I he hasn't had his best year and he's had a few poor games, but he is still the most damaging, most important defender in the competition and you can't ignore him. Look, I am doubling down on my take. My cane corns of a few weeks. You no. want to put Rance in, though. You? you don't, you don't have a choice. In. No, I really don't want to put Rance in. The, the fact that I came close to is what irks me. But no, I've got Harris Andrews. He's been incredible. Ooh. He's been in... He has the, been great. He's been in the most under siege. Whoops. He's been in the most under siege backline in the competition. And he stood up. He leads the league in spoils. His intercept marking is excellent. He There's not, nothing he does well that you wouldn't want a key defender to do well. He's just the complete baggage. He's 21... And he's just a better version of Lever. Yeah. Your, uh, he, he had 10 coaching votes on the weekend in a losing team. That's, yeah, that's for a key impressive. defender, that's very impressive. But anyway, uh, I've got Stuart. You know, we both got Stuart in the back pocket. Yeah, the... Hard to ignore him, actually. No, the number one key defender in the number one defence. It kind of... And he's, again, flexible. He takes people of all size. He, he's offering a little bit of drive off half back, which at a certain point is a little bit of a dif- differentiating factor yep. as much as you like to deny it with uh, Nifty. But no, he's just... He's the, kind of the complete package. It's only his second year's remarkable development mm. and a remarkable pick. Crazy improvement, yep. Who's your half-back flanker? Half-back, I've got Sicily there. Sicily's been fantastic. Just one of the best intercept marks in the competition. Yeah, that's very true. Very creative with his ball use. He's an excellent footballer. I just don't think he's been quite consistent enough. I've left him off. Um, you just watch him too closely because he's in your fantasy. Yeah, that, that, so you just get angry whenever he doesn't do well. When he doesn't take that mark, when he's not he's used on the switch, switch, that's what annoys me the most. I need him used on the switch. Those cheap points, that's what I want. Um, <laughs> he gets too much good ball. <laughs> Unlike... No, he's had a few... No, <laughs> we'll get to yours. that. We've had a, he's had a few pretty poor games. And he's been suspended twice. He's yeah, just, that, that's the, that's that's suspensions the is the biggest him. knock against him. Uh, so he's only really played half a dozen good games in 12. Uh, so what I've gone, Laird is my halfback flanker. So speaking of people who get cheap possessions. And... Yeah, when he gets the most possessions in the league outside of Tom Mitchell, you still have to stand up Mate, and look oh, at that. I could take those marks and kick him to the other side of the ground. To yeah, you couldn't defend as well. Space. You couldn't defend. <laughs> he is an excellent defender and he offers the amount of... You're right, he doesn't offer the most drive out of any per possession, but he controls the back line and he's done it for a good side for an incredibly long period of time and he just deserves to be there. 
Well, my centre-half back, I've got uh, Jeremy McGovern. Speaking of intercept marks, prototype modern defender and the best there is at it. So he's a lock. He has to be. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Talking of controlling areas in defence, what he does in the air. And it doesn't matter what you try and do against him. You can't try and take him back to the goal square because he just won't go there. He'll send someone else back. He just does what he wants and he does. he exudes his confidence in what he can do. He never goes for the spoil because he doesn't have to. He's such a good overhead mark. He's just incredible. And a large part of West Coast yep. uh, drive forward as well. And speaking of that, yep. I've gone Shannon Hearn. Yeah, we, we've both got Hearn. Uh, damaging leadership, uh, finding the ball more than he ever has in the past. All-round package for a defender. So he's been fantastic. Yeah, just about the best kickoff halfback. I've ever seen. Like, I can't really think of... Long kick-off half-back, yeah. Yeah, but even his short kicking is damaging. Yeah. And a lot of that's about choice, about decision-making, but he's been fantastic at it yep. this year. He's having a wonderful season. Now let's get to Pooch's mailbag, because somehow we've taken this to 55 minutes without <laughs> getting no there <laughs> We talk a lot of shit, and that's how. Uh, we've got a first question from Max. Uh, was that contact below the knees free kick the worst free kick of the season? And we're talking about the one where Taylor Adams swung in, knocked the ball mm. out... And Joel Smith jumped over him like a hurdler. I'm pleased he asked this question because I actually was, even as a Melbourne supporter, I was upset about this decision. And that's actually true. I, I was watching the passage of play from up top at the G and I saw Joel Smith was running at it about half the pace that Adams was. And I was yelling at Joel Smith to get to the ball quicker. Taylor Adams gets there, throws himself at it. Brilliant passage of play. Joel Smith gets rewarded for being second to the ball and not putting in that effort. You know what that really is annoys problem. me? I, I, so I was watching on TV, I didn't go like you. But the umpire said, you force him to jump over you, as his explanation to Taylor Adams. If he jumped over Taylor Adams, that means there wasn't any contact, which on replay shows there wasn't. And the rule is contact below the knees. Is the, is the rule as simple as you have to make contact below the knees? It's more of a sliding rule. Or that, no, at least that's the, the interpretation of it. Yeah, and that's wrong. Like, look at the letter of the law. It's contact. You well, can't give a free kick away. Is it technically a trip then? No, but he didn't touch him. (laughs) How can you get away from the kick without touching him? But in the rules, is there written? Is it just the same thing? I do not have any idea. I mean, I think it is a different rule, and it's meant to get rid of the slide. That's fine. But But the slide, when you you see the ball and you slide and you see their legs and you take them out, that's one thing. When you're literally just diving at the ball, you're first to the ball, should be rewarded. Yeah, and the second part of the question, was that call overzealous or does the rules need changing? I think it's a change of interpretation needs to be had. It needs to be if it's dangerous. That wasn't dangerous. There was no danger because the guy saw it and yeah. he dealt with it. If he didn't jump, maybe it was dangerous. So the action was arguably dangerous. Yeah, but we never judge anything on the action in the AFL. We judge it on outcomes. The tribunals proved that. And this is certainly a case where if uh, there's no contact, how can it be a free kick? Uh, it's ridiculous. To be, yeah, I think the rule needs changing. I, I think there are things which are dangerous in our game, but you can't, you can't get rid of them, and that's one of them. Yeah. Next question. How much would Ollie Wines be worth on the trade table? That's from Poochie. A significant amount. Inside midfielders are very, very well sorted. He's worth after. a first-round pick plus more. Oh, sure. And oh, it he, might be two first-round picks, to Paul, be honest. Yeah, Paul would ask for that. Yeah, and, and they might not get to that. It might be a first and a second, which about what Trelaw was. It yeah. might be something like that. But I think that would be the starting price, would be yeah. two first-rounders. That is worth a lot, and you would be absolutely stoked to get him into your team. He's young... He's just the kind of guy you can build a midfield around. I talk about Cripps all the time in that sense. You, you can build a midfield around him. Everything else, he covers so many flaws that you can 
have a lot of players you wouldn't normally be able to get away with in your midfield, and he's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, we've got another question from a completely different listener called <laughs> Kurt. Uh, how do you pick St. Kilda? Sack Richo? Is that, is that all you've got? Is that the answer? I was going to say sack the list, but, you know. Uh, sack the entire list. Eh? I don't think there's much going for them in, in terms of the players they've got. Like, How many mm. players do you think, yeah, you would fit in a premiership lineup? I mean, and I'm not talking the Shannon Burns. I'm talking, like, the Grant Virgils. The guys that are good without being great, that just fit in a premiership lineup. There's not many of those. What, in the middle, there's Stephen and Ross... Back there's um, if you're Carlisle's Ross. not too bad. No, I like Webster. Gear is fine. Robertson yeah, Gear is he's fine. Healthy. He's always been fine. Robertson when he's healthy was pretty good, but he might never play Mem- again. Member is a good player. I don't know if he's number one tall. He's probably a number two, but he's a good player. I, I still have faith in Billings, but there's not many. Mm. There's not many, and like, that's less than a third of your team. That's not enough to no, be no, in a there's finals team. There's definitely not and enough. And their their bottom end is. Poor, like the, the 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 worst players they're playing are poor, and their system hasn't worked either. So there's pretty much problems on every line. So I think they need a complete. Re- to be honest with you, the first step to fixing St Kilda is then to realise that something needs to be fixed. They're still yeah. talking about it's not a rebuild; it should be top four, all of that rubbish. Um, they need to realise that they do need to rebuild that list. Yeah, we've got a couple of quick hits to finish off the pod. First from David: Can you both put the lid back on? My lid was never off. I made that very, very clear to you, D-Pain. My lid was never off. My lid I was. still think about 6th or 7th. I've been saying that all year. My lid... 6th. My lid is off and it's staying off because I'm just so happy with how we're doing. I don't need to win a flag this year. I'm very happy with how we're going. We're probably going to make finals and given we were everyone's spoon favourite, including yours, that is fine by me. My lid is off and staying off proudly. We got the same question from Adam. I should My glue it. hasn't even... It's not. It has, it's just dried, just dried now, and it's it's locked in. <laughs> That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> Follow up question on the same theme: Are Melbourne the biggest downhill skiers in the league? I'll get stuff. Who said that? Alex. Is in Stringer, Alex? Well, it could be. Yeah, Who of knows? course, got so many dirty Alex. It's a stupid thing to say. We were down. We were bound to have a down week at some point. I've explained the issues with us. It's not about downhill skiing. I reckon we'll beat Port Adelaide next week, and everyone will be eating their words. Your fans are the biggest downhill skiers in the league, though. That's a reference what? to your skiing trips that you all go on. Uh, yeah, all right. Some of the stupid skiing. Even Goody crap. embraced it in his nah, uh, you can get freeze. And lastly, from They Rod, which, again, if that's not how you pronounce your name, please tell us, uh, who will win the World Cup? <laughs> I would not have a clue. And I, but I, I will surprise you, your banjo. I'm actually looking forward to watching Australia in the World Cup. It'll be, Australia. It'll be, it'll be interesting. But uh, I would not have a clue. You're just going to ignore the first two letters in our proud country's name. Australia. I wouldn't have a clue. I would say Brazil or Germany. Because, <laughs> again, I or have France. No clue. I don't know. Spain, are they still good? <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for listening. Yeah, we don't know how we went over an hour again. Sorry for that. It was yeah. supposed to be quick. Thanks for sitting through that, whoever you are. <laughs> no, positive. That was a great episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, bigger and better, because neither neither of our teams will play. We might actually bring back a top five. No, but yeah, top six midfielders. <laughs> anyway, let's go. Thanks for listening.